Good morning, everyone. Get set up here and get going. A couple of things that I think will be helpful for you this morning. If uh, you'll take the uh, bulletin, there's an insert inside that might be helpful if you want to take notes. If you have a Bible, electronically, hard copy, or whatever, that will be helpful. And we have some on the tables around. If you don't have a Bible, please uh, feel free to, to use one of those and, and take it with, with you as well. Uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share God's Word with you today, and I hope, I anticipate that this will be a sermon that you'll look back on and say, that was encouraging what God had to say, Uh, and it spoke to me today. Let's ask Him to speak to us. How about we do that? Heavenly Father, we invite you to come as if we need to give you permission because you're the creator and ruler of all things. We open our hearts to hear you, to listen to you, and ask you to come in in a way that would be fresh and renewing for us that we could have ears to hear what you have to say. We thank you for your son Jesus and for your Holy Spirit. And ask him to move within us right now and to stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Anticipation. That was the key for the slide. We love to have something good to look forward to, don't we? I mean, it, there's this is building kind of thing, and when there's something you look forward to, you kind of get excited about the moment and about what's going to happen. There's this anticipation that brews, uh, that starts happening, and there's all kinds of things that give us this kind of feeling. Um, maybe for some of you, it's the weekend, uh, anticipating the weekend coming, or vacation, the holidays, weddings. How about your birthday? How about a birth? Prom? Where's Alan? That's coming around the corner. Last day of school? How about summer break? Meeting an old friend? We haven't spoke to in a long time. Maybe for some of you, just coming here together today uh, was something you look forward to during the week. There's small things, too, that give us this kind of anticipation and feeling, aren't they? I was thinking, like sleeping in. Anybody like that? Look forward to the day that you can sleep in. How about uh, a leisurely cup of coffee on a day off? Or one of your other favorite brews on the morning off? A casual walk with someone you love? Hanging out with some friends later on? There's a lot of things that give us expectation and anticipation. What are things, let me ask you a question, what are some things that you're really looking forward to? Just let them brew in your mind for a minute. Think of something right now that you're looking forward to.
when we have that kind of anxiousness or excitement we're looking forward to, there's something special that happens, especially, especially in the big moments of anticipation. Because they kind of evolve and transform and become like bookmarks in time. And what I mean by that is, suppose you recall, oh, that was the Christmas that we were all together as a family. And that becomes the marker like, oh, yeah, that was the year that this happened and this happened. And it suddenly becomes that marker, oh, yeah, I remember that because that was the year we moved from California to Massachusetts. And, and so that was, and they become markers, don't they? And so when big events happen, we anticipate they kind of things we settle in and the whole year becomes them. I and as we look across your life, as you look back, there's these moments that you had of anticipation, excitement, and they become kind of these bookmarks in time. And life gets referenced around those. From events that happened to things you were looking forward to, and it becomes exciting. How does this kind of anticipation make you feel? How does it make you feel? You feel encouraged? Maybe somebody shout out some words. How do you feel? Anxiety. You feel anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in Christmas, and if you're the one who has to clean the house and have money to buy gifts and things, there's some anxiety there. How else does it make you feel? Hopeful? Excited? Alive. It energizes. All of the above is true. There's something that happens. It energizes. We're looking forward to it. I remember even as a little toddler just looking forward to Christmas coming as a little guy and laying under around in the Christmas tree that was completely empty, but just the excitement of Christmas season coming as a little boy. And I remember that and I was anticipating. It was exciting. And I can still think about it. I remember that. Getting together with family and gathering together. They become kind of moments of happiness. And I think one of the words that stand out in that for me is the word hopeful. It just having that kind of hope of anticipation of something that's going to happen, that's good, that you're looking forward to, builds this hope, but a hope that's not just like a blind hope, or, but it's a hope that energizes you, a hope that, and somebody just shouted out, gives you life. And I think that's true. Now, we love surprise events, don't we? Well, maybe we don't. There's a few people that really like to be surprised, but for the most part, I found in my own personal life, I don't like the surprise party. I like to know because it's, that's the whole buildup to it, right? It's just knowing that the party's coming, that you look forward to. Knowing that the Christmas event's coming is just almost as powerful as the actual day. Knowing that your wedding day is coming can be just as exciting. Whoever said anxious, but all those things can, be, but it energizes you and it gives you life. These are traffic signs in our lives. As you know, many of you know, my, my father passed away just a few months ago and I made a lot, I've made a lot of trips in the past few years to Oklahoma to tend with him, to care for him, brought him back here, took him back, you know, all the things. And it's still going on as we close out. My oldest daughter, Mary Beth, lives in the area, and she has two kids, so our two grandkids, and one's nine, and Luke is five. Uh, you know, Addison's nine, and, and Luke is five. And I'm getting ready to come, and she knows I'm coming, and she'll tell the kids, your grandfather, or they call me Lito, for Abuelito, or Abuelo, Lito's coming. 
And they get all excited. All right, Lito's coming. He's going to be here. And I've come so much that they just really got, get excited about it. And Addison will go on their family calendar and put it up there. And there's this hope and excitement because she knows that I'm coming. Now, Luke, he's five. And so, all right, he's coming. He's coming next week. And he takes off and goes upstairs and goes plays. And an hour he comes down and says, is Lito here? No, it's next week. Oh, okay. And so he goes off and has some things and has a little bit of lunch and comes back. Is Lito here? No, he's not here. And like 50 times a day she's saying, I can't tell him anymore because he doesn't have any perspective of time. But he's hopeful and he knows what hope's about. And he knows how to look forward to something. And there's traffic signs. Well, in the scriptures... We've been given some traffic signs that Jesus has pointed the way for us. And he's given us some traffic signs, kind of, if you will, that are hopeful signs for us. And there's an anticipated pending event that Jesus called out that is the most hopeful moment for all of the church. And I want to talk about that today. But before I go there, I need to point out, as I've looked back through the, the Gospels in the past couple of weeks, there's at least four major things that Jesus called out. He prophesied. He's a prophet among all things that he prophesied and called out and said that were going to happen. So let me talk about the first three real quick because they've actually already occurred. During Jesus' ministry... He pointed out first his own death and resurrection. All through all four gospel accounts, he made a, a point telling his disciples, telling them, there's going to be time when I'm going to be delivered up, handed over to the leaders of the Jews, and I will be put to death. But I'll come back. Mark chapter 8 says this, Then Jesus began to tell to tell them, the disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priest, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. And so we look, and the tomb's empty. The tomb is empty. There's no body to be found. Jesus got up and walked out of the tomb, just like he said he would do. We celebrated this just two weeks ago. It's the whole Easter events, right? And we celebrated it. Matter of fact, it's been celebrated not just in Christianity, but throughout the world for the last 2,000 years. For me, there's a little bit of validity from the historical evidence of what it is in knowing culture and knowing our hearts Something happened 2,000 years ago of such significance that it's still recognized and celebrated today. You know, lies and deceptions don't have a lot of enduring roots to them, do they? And they don't carry on. It might go on for a period of time through a generation or through a period of time. But for 2,000 years, and people still get excited about it, Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead. And he's alive, just like he said he would. Is that great news? He said it would happen. Point number one. And so we celebrate that. The second thing that Jesus talked about that he prophesied would happen was the destruction of Jerusalem. Like, oh, that doesn't sound quite so encouraging. One day, the scriptures tell us in Mark, 
Jesus was leaving the temple. And the disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Haven't we done that before? Have you ever been in Boston, downtown, looked at, wow, the architecture of these buildings? They don't make things like this anymore. Has anybody ever done that before? Oh, New York City. Uh, other cities I've been into. Uh, London, Dublin. Uh, have you seen castles? Uh, Amsterdam. And, and some places in, in Beijing. The Great Wall. I look at these. I've, I've seen these things with my own eyes. And I look, that's amazing. Have you done that? Have you looked at these things? The disciples walk out of the temple and they point back to Jesus and they say the very same thing. Wow, look at this. Aren't these magnificent buildings, teacher? Look at the impressive stones in the walls. And they point out the architecture. Jesus replied, yes, look at these great buildings. But they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. I got a picture of one of those. This is a current day image around Jerusalem. The scriptures tell us, Blake, I think I have this in Luke chapter 19. As Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, one day he was approaching it towards the final days of his ministry. He saw the city ahead of him and he began to weep. Just an imagery I have of Jesus as he's approaching the city. And he looks down and he sees Jerusalem, the great city, the great walled city. Could possibly have seen the temple protruding, Herod's second temple protruding above the walls. And Jesus begins to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. He says to Jerusalem, but now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Verse 43, before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept the opportunity for salvation. He said these words somewhere around 30 A.D., to 33 A.D., right at the time of his crucifixion. Forty years later, in historical documented proof, in 70 A.D., an uprising occurred among the Jews in Israel, an uprising against the Roman Empire, and they sent a 31-year-old military commander of the Roman army who, by the way, his name was Titus, and by the way, his dad was the current emperor of Rome. They sent, dad sends son down and says, I want you to stop and squash this rebellion that's going on in the, in the country of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, their heart. And Titus goes in with a military force, the greatest military force of that day, and he goes in and he builds ramparts against the wall and takes on the siege of Jerusalem and crushes it and destroys Jerusalem. It happens, and it happened. Jesus predicted it would occur, and you think, wow, that, well, that's a heavy prediction. But I wanted to point it out because there's something that's in it with the historical evidence that we want to, want to look to. Because as Titus went back to Rome... And within nine years, he would succeed and become the new emperor, the 10th emperor of Rome. 
They built an arch of triumph in his recognition for his crushing of Jerusalem, and that arch stands today. On the Via Sacra in Rome, on the main road that was up to the Colosseum, as evidence calling out Titus as the one who crushed the Jewish rebellion. Jesus predicted it, and it occurred. Jesus is doing pretty good on his prophecies right now, guys. The third thing, are you interested in the third thing that Jesus called out? That's the right answer. We're cut off short here. And that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. He called out the Holy Spirit would come to gift, to encourage, to strengthen, empower every believer, and ultimately the church. Matter of fact, different from the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is a lot of similarities in those Gospels, the Gospel account of John was written some probably 40, 50 years later as the last one, and John picks up and covers some pieces that his contemporaries didn't put in, and he puts in in three chapters that occur right at the Last Supper of Jesus. He says in three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, an extensive dialogue with his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming because he was telling them, I'm about to die. I'm going someplace that you can't go. And Peter said, where are you going? We're going with you. No, where I'm going, you can't go, but don't worry. I'm going to my father's home, and I'll prepare a place for you. And then he says in John 15, but don't worry. I will send you the advocate, your representative. It's like legal attorney. I'll send somebody for you, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Jesus left them with this hope that the Holy Spirit is coming. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes because it ties very closely into the fourth thing. Fourth key event that Jesus talked about and prophesied about. And I want you to be with me and hear me today. I believe it's the most anticipated event now of the Bible. This fourth prophecy of Jesus is the key uh, point of what I wanted to talk about. This fourth prophecy of Jesus is the most anticipated event in the church since the first century. This fourth prophecy of Jesus is the most anticipated event in the spiritual realm. This fourth prophecy of Jesus is the most anticipated event in creation. This fourth prophecy of Jesus should be the most anticipated event of all humanity. This fourth prophecy Jesus foretold is his own future return. You see, Jesus has risen and is returning. And you might think, oh, that's an interesting side story to the whole Christian message. Actually, it became the main theme of the early church. You will find that in the New Testament, all but two books speak of the return of Jesus or the impact of the return of Jesus. Did you know that? Only 3 John and Philemon, a letter written are the only two that don't mention that you can't find anything that lead to the impact or return of Jesus. You think it was important to the early New Testament church? 25 of 27 books in the New Testament talk about Jesus coming. It was a big deal. 
And all through this discourse I, I mentioned in John 14 through 16, it was not just Jesus leaving, it was Jesus coming to take care of him. And in the meantime, I'll leave you the Holy Spirit. It was the main theme. The fact is, it was called and translated in many of our English versions in the scripture as the blessed hope. We talked about hope and being anticipating something. This was referred to as the blessed hope. Look what Paul says about it. I put it up on the screen here in Titus chapter 2. We look forward to the blessed hope of that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. Okay, so I'm going to come in biblical authority right now. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. It was a major theme of the church. It was a major theme of the New Testament. It was a major theme of Jesus' message in the last hours that he had with his disciples. I'm not just abandoning you. I'm coming back. The historical events that followed Jesus' resurrection are too documented as well in the scriptures for us. They had him appearing to disciples over a period of the next 40 days from the Passover and then his sacrifice on the cross for our sins in our place. The scriptures say for the next 40 days. Paul even notes in 1 Corinthians 15 that he appeared to as many as 500 at one time that he was alive and interacted with him. I'd like us to walk through that just for a minute. In Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, and we'll have, we have it on the screen as well. Acts chapter 1. During the 40 days, in verse 3, after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. I mean, we've had all kinds of teachings about the kingdom of God, but I, can you imagine a 40-day intensive class with Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God, telling you all about the kingdom of God for 40 days? Who would like to take that life group? All right? I, I'm, I'm on. I'm signed up. Who would not want to sign up for that one? And for 40 days, Jesus talks to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 6. And so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Before he left, before he died, they were saying, where are you going? Now he's back and he's been with them for 40 days and it's on their heart. What, what would more be on their heart? Hey, is now the time? Jesus' whole ministry kicked off at the very beginning of the gospel accounts. Jesus went around through all Judea and all the area preaching that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is near. That was his theme. And now he's resurrected from the dead. For 40 days, he's given an intensive on the kingdom of God to his disciples and all who would listen. There were some 120, Acts will tell us. And he's telling them all about the kingdom of God. And they're saying, 
Is he coming? Is it now? Is it now? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Okay. But, verse 8, but remember what I promised, guys. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. I don't know if we can fathom the moment. They're there with him. Can you in your mind's eye see for a moment and look up into the clouds and just see? And Jesus' resurrected body just starts ascending into the heavens, into the clouds. And they're flabbergasted. They're just looking and staring into the heavens. And as they strained, keep straining as you look at this image, as they strained to see him rising, in verse 10 it says, into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Jesus is coming back. The last appearance of the post-resurrection of Jesus at day 40 was highlighted with angels declaring he would come again. They're standing there looking at heaven and suddenly right before them were two angels of God from the Most High saying, why are you looking up there? Oh, he's going to come back the same way again. There was a lot of hope and expectation. We can't quite totally fathom it, but I'm trying to communicate that to you today. I want us to move to that place of anticipation. Jesus is coming back. But that previous promise had not yet been totally fulfilled. And here's the significance of the coming of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost is not just another Jewish festival. The day of Pentecost was 50 days from Passover. So we know, we know the event. Luke is very careful. Dr. Luke is very careful to tell us the exact day that occurred. There were some 120 of the believers gathered together. They were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The place was shaken. That third promise I mentioned earlier had been fulfilled and the Holy Spirit rushed in and boom. 
they start speaking in other languages. And we learn later, if you read on, that people came out of their houses. What just happened out here? And the disciples pour out and the believers pour out and they're all speaking and praising God and remembering what they just saw in Jesus' ascension just 10 days earlier. And the Holy Spirit's come and the whole promise and people from all over the region who had come to Jerusalem just for the festivities of the Passover and the Pentecost, getting ready to go home, were all hearing them speak in their own native languages. As if you were hearing now in perfect Portuguese from your native home in Brazil. In perfect Czech. In perfect Spanish. Okay, casi estoy allí, pero... Where's Aurelius? You'd really laugh about that. And they're all hearing. The Holy Spirit has come. Paul said in Romans 8... We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Memorize that verse. 823 subpiece of that verse. Read the whole chapter. Knock your socks off. The Holy Spirit is within us as a foretaste of future glory. Does it seem like we as Christians are this excited about the return of Jesus as these guys were? Why aren't we? Why, why aren't we? Are we hindering the Holy Spirit's testimony within us? Let's spend a minute and talk about what does Jesus' return really mean? It was more than just seeing Jesus again for the disciples. I closed up and saw the cassock down for my father just a few months ago. I look forward to seeing him again, but that wasn't the, what they were looking for. And they saw Jesus come out of the tomb and they interacted in 40 days, and it wasn't just being anxious about Jesus coming back. They were looking forward to deliverance, to God's kingdom being established. That's what the return means for them. The kingdom of God being the theme of Jesus' ministry. It's near, it's upon us, it's here, it's coming. And remember, he spoke for 40 days about it, about the kingdom of God to his disciples. They were built up about God's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he returns, the promises of God's kingdom will be completely fulfilled. Including an eternal active relationship with God. Let me summarize a few points what I think the kingdom of God means looking through Scripture. First off, the current evil ruler of this world will be overthrown. The accuser, the tempter, will finally be silenced. The one from the beginning around creation who rebelled against God, who the Bible calls right now as the ruler of the power of this world, will be silenced, will be judged, and all his angels with the coming of the kingdom of God. And the flag that Satan has over this world right now and the control that he has will be torn down and there'll be a new flag resurrected and set up a new banner, the kingdom of God 
has come. True justice will be carried out against all evil. Eternal judgment, if you will, against evil. We don't like to talk about judgment. We think, oh, that sounds kind of negative. It's really harsh. But you know what? We want justice to occur. We, we are tired of hearing people that get away with murder, get away with things, and justice is delivered. And we say, where is justice? I just passed an article on to some, some friends here or somebody that spent 30 years in a prison in Oklahoma to find out in DNA testing that he was actually not guilty of the murder they said he was. It was done by somebody else, and he's been released. From 25 to 55, he spent in prison. We want justice. And there's a time coming with the kingdom of God. There will be true and right justice because the one who can really give true justice is coming, and he will deliver it. All evil will be judged. The creation will be rescued from its curse and transformed. Creation? You'll read through Scripture and you'll see even evidence of it that creation has been groaning and longing for the coming of the Messiah to set up His kingdom. From Genesis to Revelation. Then there'll be the resurrection of the faithful, to experience the joy of eternal life. Hey, guys, there's no more death. And those who've died and known Jesus, you're going to see him again. Is that great news? It is for me. That death will have no more change and no more hold on anyone. There'll be no more death. And if you've experienced that, and many of you have in this room, of someone close to you and losing them, you know the pain. But guess what? It's over. And Jesus will give us a priceless inheritance and new eternal bodies. I'll let that soak in for a minute. With no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. I'm not making this up. Revelation 21. He says everything will be made new. That's the kingdom of God coming. Who isn't looking forward to that? Come on, guys. We should be looking forward to it with anticipation. And we will see and live with God forever. These are the key messages of the kingdom of God coming. And when his disciples said, is it coming now? Is it happening now? They're looking for deliverance. They're looking for God's kingdom to be established. But what about us? Are we? You know, in one of Jesus' teachings, other teachings, one of his parables, he told a story about a, of a farmer, a sower, who was going out and he was walking through his fields sowing seed. I think, Blake, I have something for that. I want to get a visual image. And he was sowing seed. And as he was sowing a seed and casting a seed around, 
Some, it said, fell on the footpath where he walked. And so if you were to look through these fields where they farmed, there were paths that went up and around and moved around. And the farmer would go, then he would walk those paths, and he was casting his seed, casting his seed. And Jesus said some of the seed fell on the footpath. And because it fell on the footpath, it never took root. And the birds came and took it away. And that's true for many times as we share our faith. It never really takes root. Somebody says, I don't get that. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. And the enemy comes and steals it away. He said some of the seed fell on some shallow soil nearby, that there was a lot of rock within the soil. And as soon as the plant started, the seed germinating, the plant started coming up, it couldn't take root. It got tangled up in the rock and, and the sun scorched on it and it killed the plant and it died off. And there are those who never really take strong root in what we believe. Ne never pursue in growing. And the grinds of life, the day-to-day -day struggles, the problems that we face, eat us up. Like, what's the next slide coming up? There's no more? And then a third set of the seed fell among weeds and thorns. And as the plant grew up within the weeds and the thorns, it got choked out. And it died. It produced very, or produced very little fruit. And sometimes that happens to us as... We don't separate ourselves from those bad influences and they grow up around us and they affect us and choke us out and we start pursuing things of the world and the passions of the world and its desires and its pride. But then there was other seed that he cast and it threw out and it hit the fertile soil and the seeds germinated and they took deep root and the plants grew and they become fruitful and multiplied and produced over and over again. And so it will be for us if we'll think about the things of the Lord as the seed we cast and we'll put ourselves into the fertile ground and think about the kingdom of God coming and that we need to share that and we need to make others aware and know that God has come and he's come in the presence and person of his own son, Jesus and we start sharing that message with others because it's not just some things that are part of a religion that we follow along. There are facts that happen. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus resurrected. He said things that even the destruction would happen in Israel, and it did occur. But he's coming. He's going to set up a new kingdom, and he's set in place in our hearts right now the Holy Spirit. How do you know that's true, Jeff? The Holy Spirit's just telling me inside. He's testifying of the foretaste of that glory that's there. What is that hope that's within you? What is that blessed hope that is there? Jesus is coming again. While the worship team comes up, and I'll invite them to come up now, please. I want to just put a couple of questions out for you to think about while we worship. Are you ready and looking forward to the return of Jesus? Make that thought in your mind as we sing these songs, as we reflect on our King. Are you ready? Are you looking forward to it? I'll be back in just a few minutes, but the other thought is, 
do you live with the same anticipation and a great expectation of Jesus coming again? Yeah, thanks, Kim. So one, one final way I'd like to close, because I look across the room and, and I, I feel like the enemy snatched the joy away from some of you. Or, or that the burden of what's going on in life is just so heavy and so full, so full that you've taken your eyes off and we've taken our eyes off the coming of the Lord and have caught up in the midst of it and you've lost your joy. And when that happens, we become, we become mean. We become critical. We become um, lost. Uh, we become anxious. We become depressed. Uh, we fall into a lot of things. And if that's you, would you just take a minute and set all that aside right now? And you would, would you reflect with me as I read these last words for a benediction for us today? The last remaining living apostle was John, the one who had leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, the one he, Jesus, had put in charge of taking care of his own mom in her last days. And John found himself on a prison island because of his testimony, and Jesus appeared to him. He's now an old man, and it's some close to 50 years after Jesus had already ascended that last time. And Jesus spoke these words to him. I find them in the very last words of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. In the book of Revelation chapter 2, Jesus calls out, Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride, that's the church, Say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And he who is the faithful witness of all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May you go with peace and the grace of God be with you. And if you would like prayer in some way that we can pray with you, there's folks up here and we'd love to pray. And this will be a day. And you're welcome to stand in your seats or sit in your seats or stay there and pray as well. I dismiss you in the grace of God. Come, Lord Jesus.